Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from a special guest. Thank you, Van. Appreciate it. Well, you can see we've been busy this morning. Why well, we got started a little late, baptizing a lot of people. We don't even know how many so far, but we know that we baptized one of them was uh, hit over 100 this year that we have baptized in our church. So God is good. And it's still happening, and we're excited about that. And so the, for those of y'all who don't know who I am, my name is Ronnie. I'm staff evangelist here. And uh, so I'm not here a lot because I'm on the road preaching about 30, 40 weeks a year, something like that. But uh, it's good to be home. Glad to be back. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Okay? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you're doing. The lives have been saved, and families have been saved, and changed, and baptized. And I just pray, God, you just continue to do that in this service. For those who don't know you, God, that you'll draw them to yourself. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> for those of y'all that don't know me, like I was saying, um, my name's Ronnie, and um, I'm going to share my story with some of you. Um, I, di- I didn't grow up in a Christian home uh, at first. Uh, matter of fact, my mom was 17. She was raped and could have had an abortion, but she didn't. She had me, and I'm a result of that rape. And I'm not here by accident, just like you're not here by accident. You're here for reason and purpose. But I didn't know that, didn't understand that. And uh, growing up, and what happened was uh, my mom, when she got uh, pregnant with me, she ended up marrying her boyfriend that she'd been dating for two years. He was not my biological father. And um, so they got married. We got uh, transferred to Kansas, the big red one army base up there. And this guy that my mom married was an alcoholic. He beat my mom, ran around on my mom, the whole nine yards. And so uh, by this time now, they had my next brother, Alan. So when I was three, my mom divorced him, moved back in with my grandparents. And um, my mom, several months later, finally got the courage to start dating again. And she ended up going to this country western two-stepping bar called the Ramblin' Rose, met... Uh, my dad, who I consider my dad, Jamie, because they fell in love and they got married. And when Jamie married my mom, he adopted me and my brother, Alan, as his own sons. And so I finally had a dad. finally had somebody going to take care of us. My dad was a good old boy, ran a plumbing contracting business. Uh, he would drink a, a six-pack of Lone Star a day, case on, on the weekend. And uh, But, you know, I remember one time my mom... Uh, got me and my two brothers, we went to Tap 98 Beer Joint in Angleton, Texas at 3 o'clock in the morning to pick up my dad because he was too drunk to drive home. That was kind of what was going on. So by the time I was eight, they were partying, drinking, and threatening divorce. All this stuff was going on. My mom, um, she'd take us to church a couple times a year. And I'll never forget this one time. Uh, I was sitting back in the back, and I heard for the first time in my life that God loved me and cared about me. And But I had a problem. The problem was I'd sinned against God. And because I'd sinned, I was going to go to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. He said, you don't have to because Jesus died on the cross for you so you can have a relationship with him. I was like, I want that. So I gave my life to Christ that day, and I have never again been the same. And my mom got saved about the same time I did. Uh, but when I gave my life to Christ, the very first person I wanted to tell was my dad because I did not want my dad to go to hell. And... Um, I've been telling people about Jesus ever since. You said, why have you been telling people about Jesus ever since? Because two years later, after God saved me, two years later, God saved my dad. 
And I'm talking about the drinking, the smoking, the cussing, stop, never saw it in the house again. My dad got in the Word, started reading the Bible, started doing what it says. We were in church every time the doors were open. Two years later, God called my dad to preach. We sold everything we had, moved to Fort Worth, Texas. My dad went to seminary, got his first church in Oklahoma. And while my dad was preaching in Oklahoma, his oldest son, me, at the age of 14, I started to preach the gospel underneath my dad's ministry. And since I've been 19, I've been traveling all around the world telling people about Jesus, from one-on-one to big groups to large groups. Why is that? Because I'm a satisfied customer. And because he changed me, he changed my family, we are living, walking proof that God changes lives. And I've been traveling, doing this, I mean, I'm telling you, since I was 19, I've been doing it for a long time. And I'm talking about from one-on-one to big groups, from NASCAR races at Bristol Motor Speedway, where I sit out there and I put a brand new Harley Davidson out there in front of the tent. I said, hey, if you want to win this Harley, come underneath this tent, listen to me talk for about 10 minutes, you can sign for free. NASCAR fans going, get her done! Come under that tent and have their beer, they had them uh, helmets with the beer cans in there, you know, have their you know, you know, T-shirt off, had their favorite driver's number painted on their hairy chest, dragging an ice chest full of beer, and they come on in there to get her done. They sit in that tent, and I tell them about Jesus, how he died on the cross for their sins. That beer went from here to whoop down here. And I tell them he loves you and wants a relationship with you. And I'm talking about tears flowing and NASCAR fan after NASCAR fan. In three days, we had over 700 fans give their lives to Christ. And I'm talking about we went from there to Calgary Stampede Rodeo. I bought a mechanical bull. Put the bull out there. You want to ride the bull? You got to hear me tell you about Jesus. And so we had 456 uh, rodeo fans saved in Calgary Stampede Rodeo. Then we went from there to Sturgis Bike Week three years in a row. We had over 2,900 people give the bikers, give the life to Christ at Sturgis Bike Week on the main street right in front of the library. And I'm telling you, one after another, from Brazil to Africa to Honduras to Nicaragua, all over the place from California to Florida to our backyard in my arena. I have witnessed to thousands and thousands of people one-on-one, face-to-face, and in large groups. And all these people, all these different traveling I've been with, no matter where I'm in the world, they all have the same questions about Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. This morning, we're going to talk about four or five of the main questions I hear all the time from all these different people from all over the world. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say. All right? So we're going snorkeling today. We're not scuba diving because we got a lot to cover. Okay? And we're just going to look and see what the Bible has to say because it doesn't matter what my opinion is. I have no authority. Only the Bible has authority. You say, well, Ryan, that's where I want to start. I want to start right there about the Bible. How, how do you know the Bible is accurate and it's true and it's the Word of God? Second Timothy 3, verse 16, the Bible says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The Word of God is historically accurate. This is not a bunch of fable, fairy tales, and stuff like that. This is historically accurate. Archaeologists have proven it over and over again. Hundreds of cities mentioned in the Bible that people say didn't exist. They have dug them up, found them, one after another, from Capernaum to Dan to Jericho, you name it, over and over they found these cities. They found people that historians said didn't exist, like Pontius Pilate, who had Jesus executed. They said, we have no evidence that he ever existed. In 1961, they found a stone with his name in it, his inscription, the date that he was Roman curator. In 1969, they found a ring with his name on it, who they said that didn't exist. 
It's been backed up. It's been proven over and over again. But I'm going to tell you another reason why I know the Bible is the Word of God. is because it gave me the experience it promised it would give me. It said I would receive forgiveness in Psalms 103. says he's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. said he'd give me peace. Jesus said that in John 14. He says the peace I give you, the world can't give you. And he's done that. He's given me peace. He said he'll answer my prayers. You say, oh, that's where I got a bone to pick with you. Because uh, God hadn't answered my prayers. Do you know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10? It says the only way that he will answer your prayers, the only way you have access to, for him to even hear your prayers is through his son Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way you have access to him. So if you have never repented of your sins and given your life to Christ, you don't even have access to him. You don't have his phone number. So no wonder he doesn't hear you. The only way you have that is through Jesus, and you can have it today. You can know him today, have a relationship with him today, and have access to him 24-7. But I'm going to tell you the ultimate reason why Christians know that this is the word of God. It's because Christians, we know and we hear his voice. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. You say, well, Ronnie, that's all well and good, but I got a real question for you. You know, here's my real question for you, Ronnie. If God is so good, why does a loving God allow evil and suffering? That is the number one question I get no matter who I'm witnessing to, where I am, what I, I don't care if it's in a foreign country. I don't care if it's here in the United States. That's the number one question I get. You say, yeah, Ronnie, how, how are you going to answer that one, big boy? Why, why would God allow evil and suffering? First of all, you need to know this. All this evil and suffering and junk you see in the world right now, that wasn't God's original plan. That wasn't his deal. Matter of fact, in Genesis, we find out when God, he created everything, it was good is what he said. But here's what happened. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. God created Adam and Eve in the garden. Said, hey, uh, Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. What did Adam and Eve do? They go out hanging out by that tree. They end up, Satan tempts them. Eve eats from the uh, tree. She gives it to Adam. Adam eats it. They realize they clothes on. They go hid in the garden. God kicks them out of the garden because of that. They were separated from God because of that. So all this sin, death, and destruction, that wasn't God's deal. That's us. So don't blame God. That's all that evil junk. That's on us. That's on man. So you say, okay, but Ronnie, if I still got a question about that. Why, why does God allow suffering? You know, if he's so good, why does he allow suffering? First of all, I just want to say this. Um, for those of you that are going through a bunch of junk right now, that you're suffering, you're hurting, I'm so sorry. I know there's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in this room, and I'm sorry you're going through it. And I don't, I'm not going to pretend I have all the answers because I don't. The Bible, God does answer some of them. And so I'm just going to try to help you see what the Bible does say about some of them. Here's what the Bible says, first of all, in 1 Peter 4.12. It says, don't be surprised at the trials you're going through as something where strange were happening to you. Hey, listen, there are things that happen in this world that don't make sense. I mean, somebody we love dies. Somebody we love gets cancer. A child is born with a, a disability. Uh, this stuff doesn't make sense. Now, you, you rob a bank, you go to jail, that makes sense. But 
but a Christian family on the way to church on a Sunday morning killed by a drunk driver? That don't make sense. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, he says, don't be surprised that this stuff's going to happen to you because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. But here's the deal. The Bible addresses this. It says there are some, there's common suffering. There's different kinds of suffering. There's common suffering. That's, you say, what's that? That's, that's universal suffering. Jesus said it in Matthew 5.45. says he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So when a tornado hits a town, and tears up a whole town, it doesn't matter whether you're an atheist or a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim, it hits everybody. It doesn't show any prejudice. It hits everybody. That's, that's universal. That's common suffering, okay? But there's also carnal suffering. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Now, that's the one where you decide to have sex outside of marriage and you get a sexually transmitted disease, that's on you. That's, don't blame God for that. That's, that's your deal. So, and, and, but here's the thing. There are some things that happen to innocent people, and there's innocent suffering. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7, our ancestors sinned, but they've died, and we're suffering the punishment they deserved. Israel was paying for the sins of their parents. And there is innocent suffering. There are things that we're going to go through that's no fault of our own, uh, that we're hurt by other people's sins, whether we're abandoned, rejected, scammed, abused. We've all been affected by other people's sins. I was preaching in Coppers Cove, Texas, and on youth night, we had uh, there's three teenagers showed up. There was a, a teenage girl that had a sister with her, younger sister, and then she had her boyfriend with her. And they were uh, Satan worshipers. And so they were dressed head to toe, black, had the pentagrams on, black fingernails, black makeup. I'm even talking about the dude too. Whole nine yards, all of them dressed black head to toe. So the, the boyfriend was over trying to argue with the teenagers, trying to stir up a deal with them and all that kind of stuff. And so while he was doing that, the girlfriend and her sister were sitting at a table eating pizza by themselves. Well, I felt sorry for them because nobody was talking to them. Everybody was ostracizing them and stuff. So I didn't want them to feel by themselves. So I went over, sat down, and started talking to them. I didn't point my finger at them, start preaching at them, nothing like that. I just sat down and started having a conversation. Hey, where are y'all from? What school you go to? What, what, what hobbies you like to do? Where you, where's your family from? Blah, 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 all that stuff. So I've been talking to them for about 15 minutes. And I said to the girl, because we, we were having a good conversation, and I said to the girl, I said, hey, I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, and if this is personal, I, I don't want to get in your business. I said, I'm not trying to do, be nosy or nothing like that. I said, and if you don't want to tell me, you don't have to. I said, but I just got a question. She goes, yeah, go ahead. I said, did, did something bad happen to you when you were younger? And she goes, yeah. She said, um, when I was 10 years old, we were going to Catholic church. She said, and uh, the Catholic priest sexually abused me. And then two years later, when my sister was 10, he sexually abused her. And I just thought, if there was a God out there, forget you. But she didn't say that. And I said, um, I'm so sorry. I'm, sad. I'm sorry. I said, that's not right. That's not fair. I said, that dude needs to go to jail. I said, I'm sorry. I said, but can I ask you a question? She goes, sure. 
I said, do you think that dude just woke up one day and started sexually abusing little girls? She goes, I don't know. I said, you want me to tell you where it started? She goes, where? I said, it started with pornography. I said, and then he started watching more pornography and all that, and hardcore pornography. Then he started acting it out with prostitutes and stuff like that. Then even taking it out on little girls. I said, who do you think is trying to get that pornography out there? I said, you think God's pumping that pornography? She goes, no. I said, who do you think's pumping pornography? I said, Satan is. I said, so the very person that you're worshiping is the one that started this whole thing to begin with. And it's, it's like a light bulb went off. And she's like, I, I never thought about that before. I said, my mom was raped when she was 17. I said, God did not rape my mom. That was my biological father's sin. He did that to my mom. I said, so don't blame God for stuff he didn't do. And a lot of you have been mad at God, angry at God, not showing up, you know, whatever. Going out of your way to make sure you let everybody know you're not a God fan. And here's the deal. A bunch of you are blaming stuff on God that he didn't even do. But I want you to know this. No matter what kind of suffering you're going through, the Bible says God is with you. He will never leave you. God has not abandoned you. If you're a believer, he has not abandoned you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 38, it says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. He is always with us. He's not left you. He loves you. You say, okay, Ronnie, but here's, here's my question. What, why do I need to give my life to Jesus? I mean, why, why do I need to do that? I'm, I'm a good person. Hey, Ronnie, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm good. I, 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 don't, I don't need, I'm, I'm good. Uh, what did Jesus say about that? In John chapter 3, verse 3, this is what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, you got to be a member of this certain denomination or this certain church, or you got to do this or that. He didn't say that. He said, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And what does born again mean? Here's what born again means. Born again means that you realize that you have sinned against a holy, righteous God. And as a result of your sin, you deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus loved you so much, he left heaven, came down this earth, died on the cross, went through a horrible death to pay for every single one of your sins. Then he was buried and he rose again from the dead. And if you're willing by faith to say, you know what, I admit that, I believe that, that I admit that I've sinned against God, I believe he died for my sins, and I'm going to commit my life to follow him for the rest of my life, and I invite him into my life, then you are spiritually reborn. You are born again. That's what it means. And many of you have never done that before. You've joined a church. You've been, you know, put the time in. You baptized a baby, whatever. That's not what he said. He said you have to be spiritually reborn born. It's something that doesn't, a restoration card doesn't give you. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. And if that's never happened, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to do that and he'll change your life forever. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not kidding. The reason why I told you about all this, and I could go into stories about all the different places and the people that I've talked to and witnessed to and stuff. 
And I, the only reason I just hit on a little bit is because I know y'all don't believe that I've spoken that many people. But, but I'm just telling you this. At all these different conversations, whether it's on a plane at Taco Bell, whether it's at Discount Tire, I don't care where it's at. Wherever I've been, here's the thing. I have noticed this. It is easier for people in prison to go to heaven than it is people that go to church. Church members. You, you want me to tell you why? I, hey, I was preaching in a Honduras prison, prison to MS-13 gang members. There was over 60 of them in a segregated thing. Went back there, preached to them. Over 40 of them gave their life to Christ. MS-13 gang members. It's easier for them to go to heaven than it is a bunch of people sitting out here. You know why? Because they know they're lost. They know they've sinned against God. They know their only hope is Jesus. There is no other hope. But good people, religious people, whole different ballgame. All you people think you're going to go to heaven because you're good. Hey, guess what? You're going to try to get to heaven by being good? You know what you got to do? You got to be perfect. You know what that means? Not one sin ever in your entire life. Not one bad thought. Not one bad deed. Ever. Guess what? You already blown it before you got here this morning. No, that, that means ever. Y'all think I'm playing? I'll just case in point. Two weeks ago, I was in Ohio. All right, this is just a whole other story again. Two weeks ago in Ohio, I was preaching up there. Pastor, I was with the pastor and his wife. Pastor took me to a bar. <clears throat> I know what y'all sitting there thinking. Is this a joke? <laughs> two preachers going to a bar. But no, this is not a joke. This is a real deal. Okay, so let me give you the whole background on this thing. It, it wasn't like a real bar. What it was was, uh, uh, was a barbecue place. Okay, so we're going to this barbecue place in Hocking Hills, Ohio. And going to this barbecue place, but it's a 30-minute wait. And this is before 5 o'clock. And there's a line out there 30 minutes long. It's kind of like Texas Roadhouse every single day here. And so 30 minutes long outside, you know, we're sitting there. And he goes, hey, I think we can go into sit at the bar and sit down right now and order our food right now. I'm like, let's go. So his, his wife leads the way. So his wife sits at the end of the bar, then the pastor, then me. And then this guy sitting next to me, Jerry. I found out later his name's Jerry. Jerry's kind of in my space already. He's, he's a big old boy, but he's got his, he's got his leg, his foot. You know, you know that gold bar that you put your, at the bar that you can put your foot on down there? At the, he's, his foot is halfway in my space right here. So he's sitting there, and uh, we can order our food. Up behind the bar, there's a TV. So we're watching TV. Me and the pastor and the wife's talking, and we're sitting there. And they got on there the CrossFit Challenge competition, okay? So the pastor's son-in-law does that. And, and, and they've gone to him and stuff, and they've watched him and all that. And so he's telling me what his son, son-in-law does and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. So we're talking about it out loud, you know, and stuff. And so they're doing, the men are doing the power clean and jerk, okay? That's where you do this, like, huh, huh, boom. So they're at 330 pounds, all right? So there's this dude doing it, and I'm looking up there, and I'm like, I don't think he's going to do it. And so Paris said, yeah, why? I said, his legs are too little. Look at him, they're skinny. Little, little, little legs, he, he can't do 3.30. And so by that time when I said this out loud, Jerry busts in on our conversation. And Jerry goes, I said, I don't think he, I don't believe he can do it. Jerry looks over at me, he goes, you got to believe. <laughs> now let me just tell you all something about Jerry. Jerry has already had three beers that I know of, Okay. I have seen him down three right there in front of me. I don't know how many he had before that, but I know he's got three in him, okay? 
So he said, he said, you got to believe. And I said, well, Jerry, I don't believe in him, but I believe in Jesus. Jerry got this twinkle in his eye. He looks, I told you he's already in my space. Okay. He gets more in my space, and here's what he does. He gets his little twinkle in his eye. He leans over, puts his arm around my chair, gets, gets right up in my face like this. He said, you believe in Jesus? He said, do you believe in Bigfoot? Now, I'm going to tell you all why he said that. No, If you don't believe me, you Google this, okay? Hocking Hills, Ohio, two weeks ago, had a Bigfoot festival while we were there. No, we went to it. They, no joke. They, they had five blocks of the road in downtown Hawking Hills blocked off, and they had these little tents. They had people looking for Bigfoot and binoculars and stuff, selling T-shirts and Sasquatch coffee cups. And no, I'm not kidding. They were selling Sasquatch hair, swatches of hair, like this wide, this tall. I'm thinking, what, what did they do? Did, did they catch him and shave him while they had him down? And then, like, release him, let him go back, or did he escape? I don't know. How did they get this hair? And so, so anyway, Jerry is one of the believers, okay? And he had, I don't know if he had his own tent out there or what, but something's going, so he has this connection with the Bigfoot people, all right? So I said, Jerry, I said, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I believe in Jesus. I said, Jerry, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know what Jerry said? He said, I'm Catholic. I believe there's a God. I said, Jerry, you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says in James 2.19, you believe in one God? Good, the demons of hell believe too, and they tremble. I said, Jerry, Satan knows there's a God. Satan believes there's a God. But, Jerry, there's a difference between knowing about God and having a personal relationship with him. Jerry, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you giving your life to Christ and believing in him whole heart, soul, mind, and body right now. Needless to say, 30 minutes later, Jerry did not give his life to Jesus. Here's the thing. I told you I have seen thousands and thousands of people give their life to Christ and say yes to Jesus. I've seen seven times as many say no. And that's the saddest thing of all. Don't be like Jerry today. Say yes to him. Give your life to Christ. Say, no, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. You can do that today. My son, he grew up in a Christian home. I'm a preacher. He was in church every time the doors were open. But my son did not inherit my relationship that I have with Jesus. He didn't inherit from me. He had to own his own own it and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And you got to do the same thing. Nobody can make that decision for you. Not your mom, dad. I don't care if you're baptized as a baby. Say, oh no, you're you're baptized in the church. No, you had no say in that. You have to personally choose Jesus. Nobody can do that for you. You say, well, Ronnie, if I do this, can can God really forgive me of my sin? Ronnie, you you, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know the stuff I've done. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You say, but Ronnie, I, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I, I don't feel like I'm good enough to get forgiveness and stuff. I'm, Ronnie, I do this. I'm going to mess up. I'm not, I'm not perfect. Hey, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because we're not perfect. None of us are. We're all messed up. 
Everybody sinned. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us, because we're not good enough. None of us are. And he wants to save you and change your life today. He said, but Ronnie, I've really done some bad stuff. You don't know. I don't think God will forgive me. Please, don't flatter yourself. You, you think your sin is that bad? Hey, let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever killed a Christian? Have you ever killed a have you Have you ever thrown Christians in jail? Have you ever done that? Guess what? Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, voted to have Christians killed and threw them in jail. God saved him, forgave him. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. God used him more than all the other apostles. If God can do that for Paul, God can do that for you. God forgives all sin. His blood covers all sin. You say, well, Ronnie, what if I don't do that right now? I mean, I like, I like what I'm doing right now. You, you kind of like Jerry. You like Jerry. You like, you like what you're doing right now. Hey, let me ask you a question. How's that working for you right now? No, if, you, if your life's so good, how's that working for you? Romans 2, 5 says, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. I told you, I have witnessed to thousands and thousands of people face-to-face, one-on-one, and I know when people are blowing smoke. And I know there's a bunch of people out here, you act like you got together, but you don't have any peace. You don't. So let me ask you this. If everything's working so good for you, then you tell me this. Why do you have to, when you come home from work, why do you have to uh, drink some alcohol just to knock off the edge if everything's good for you? If, If everything's so awesome for you, let me ask you this. Why do you work like a dog 40, 50, 60 hours a week just to stay busy or have multiple hobbies, this hobby, this hobby, just because you got to be busy, stay busy all the time so you won't have to have your mind have some peace and quiet and think and realize how miserable you really are. If everything's going good for you, if that's all working for you, why do you have to do that? Uh, I have an old truck. It's 23 years old. I'm not going to tell you the brand because then we'll get all, I'm not getting all in this conversation. You know, you know how guys are. We start running, well, that's wrong. Let me tell you, that's why you had it. 23-year-old truck. That's, that's, that's all you need to know about it. And uh, here's the deal. If, if I'm in my truck with four horses in the back going up a little hill, and there's just a little bit of wind, I can feel that trailer back there. And so for the last 20-something years, my wife and my son have both been like, hey, Dad, you need to get a new truck. My, wife, my son's like, Dad, we need to get a new truck. My, even my dad was in on it. Son, you, you need to get a new truck. I'm like, Dad, it's paid for. I don't, I don't need a new truck. It's good. So right before the pandemic hit in 2020, we were going to go on a 17-hour uh, drive hauling them horses. I knew, I, I don't even know if my truck can get out of Parker County, much less 17 hours, you know. So I'm thinking, I, I need to get a new truck. So I broke down. I, I bought a brand-new truck. Wow. I, I'm just telling you, I was blown away at the technology they have nowadays. My truck that I have now, 2020, now they got one. Hey, listen, my truck now, 440 horsepower. My old truck, 230. Doubled horsepower. Do you know, they, they have in 2023 now, 500 horsepower diesels, one tons. Dude, I had no idea. 
Do you know I can pull my truck with four horses in the back going up a mountain into the wind going 75 miles. Now I can pass people and not even know my truck's back there or my trailer's back there. That's what I'm talking about. I did not understand what I was missing out on. <laughs> you watch the parking lot next week. All these brand new trucks going to be sitting out front. <laughs> All the men are going to go back home, honey. <laughs> I told you, you got to listen to that preacher right there, you know. You drag me to church. Well, there you go. He said, we need to go get a new truck. <laughs> I didn't say that, okay? So, but here's the deal. I did not understand what I was missing out on. And that's the way a lot of you are spiritually. You, you're just trudging through life, and you're miserable. You don't have no peace, and you think, oh, it's okay, and you're just making it day to day. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's what he wants you to experience. Not just getting by, not just trying to survive. He wants you to experience life to the full, peace, purpose, meaning. I can't believe I wasted all that time driving that stinking old truck when I could have had that brand new one. Man, do y'all understand what I'm talking about? Matter of fact, I'm, I'm thinking about going to buy a brand new one right now. That's what you need with Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus now, today. Don't waste another second. Give to him today. I'm going to give you a chance to do it in just a minute. You say, how? Just be willing to do what the Bible says. Just repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus. Commit your life to him. Say, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. That's what I'm talking about doing. And you talk about you can walk out of here with peace that you've never had before. And all the stuff that you've been trying to find peace in, these hobbies, things, money, stuff, it's not going to give it to you. Jesus said, hey, I'm giving you peace. It's something the world can't give you. And you can have it today. And you can pray and invite Christ to come to your life, and he'll change you forever. But I'm going to tell you this. Before we do it, I'm going to tell you straight up what the Bible teaches and expects is this. Our declaration of, of us committing our life to Christ is that we're to follow through and be scripturally baptized and let everybody know we're a follower of Jesus. It's like getting married. When you get married, you don't do it in secret, hide, don't tell nobody. Even if you did do a do a lope thing and you went off, you still people know now that you're married and stuff. No, you get married in front of all your friends, family, let everybody know you put a big old ring on, let everybody know, and you wear it every day. Hey, this ring did not make me love my wife. I already loved her before I went down the aisle. This ring is just a symbol that I've committed my life to her. That's why it is a baptism. Baptism, we are to identify with Jesus, say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what we're supposed to do. But here's what's happening. Bunch of you introverts, y'all think y'all got some on your special little agreement with Jesus and that he's okay with it just because you're an introvert. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see it in the Bible where it says only introverts don't have to get fathered and get Scripture back to Only people that are shy, they don't have to do that. No, it's not in there. Matter of fact, I was thinking about that this week. I've been doing this a long time. I didn't think about this until this week. All you introverts, here's the deal. Y'all sure don't use your excuse when you're in an arena. We got a bunch of people here that cut horse, cut, they cut cows, work cows, uh, you break away, you barrel race, you rodeo. Y'all don't have a problem getting on your horse in front of everybody else and hold hundreds of people in the arena. But you little introverts, y'all get out there on your horse and y'all go do your thing. And y'all don't have a problem with that even though that you're going to lose 70% of the time. 
No, that's the truth. Uh, Junior and, and Caleb last year, best winning team roping combination ever. You know what their winning percentage was for the best ever? 30% of the time. So that means 70% of the time they did not win. And y'all still do it anyway. Some of y'all are even on TV doing it. You say, oh, I don't do that. I'm not, I, don't, I won't get out in front of people like that. I don't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm shy. Let me tell you, shy people, y'all eat, don't you? You eat. So here's what happens. Y'all go up to Whataburger here. You don't have a problem ordering your food in front of everybody at the restaurant and Whataburger. Oh, here it is. Uh, yeah, we'll have a Diet Coke. Large. She wants a large. Large Diet Coke. Whole restaurant can hear you talking about. Yeah, she wants two hamburgers. Yeah, two. Yes, just for her. Oh, uh, large fries. Large, you, ma'am, you want large fries? Large fries. She said don't even put it in the little think box. Put in the whole bag. Just put all as much as you can put in the bag. That's what she wants. Ma'am, you eat anything else? What's your name, ma'am? Ma'am. And you do that in front of everybody. And everybody knows all the calories that you're eating right there in front of everybody. And you will do that, but you're scared to death of getting a baptistry and get baptized? Please. Don't give me What does the Bible say? Bible says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that word baptized, I don't care if you have a Catholic Bible, Protestant Bible. Let me just blow this one up for you, okay? You ready for this? The word baptized, the Greek word baptizo. That means to immerse. That means every single person in the Bible that was baptized was immersed, even Jesus. Jesus got baptized that way to set the example for us, let us know how we're to do it. He was immersed. He was not sprinkled. He was not splashed. He was not baptized as a baby. No, he was circumcised as a baby, was not baptized as a baby. So every single person immersed. You say, why did they do it that way? Because they all understood what the symbolism meant. When you go underwater, it's a symbol of your old person, your nature, your old sin. It's buried. That's buried. Just like Jesus, they took him down from the cross, they buried him in a grave. When you come up out of the water, it's a symbol you're a new person in Christ. Just like Jesus rose from the dead, we raise to live a new life. That's what it is. That's what the symbolism is. And that's why we're to do it. First step, when you give your life to Christ, we're to do that. But here's the deal. There's been a bunch of you... They've been coming week after week after week, and you pray the prayer with Pastor Brian, and you look up at him, but you never follow through and be scripturally baptized. There's a bunch of you that were baptized maybe as a baby, and uh, you got baptized as a baby in a church, and then later on in life at youth camp, on, at college, we had one guy last, uh, last service in the military. Follow through, you, you give your life to Christ, you get saved. And then since, since you got saved, you haven't been baptized. You say, oh, no, I, I got baptized. I was baptized as a baby, a kid, whatever. No, you got wet at church as a baby, a kid, whatever. You don't believe me? You think I'm just making this stuff up? You think, oh, this is a baptist thing? No, it's not. Look in Acts chapter 19, verse 3. This is Paul talking. He says, then what baptism did you experience, he asked them. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. Now, this is John the Baptist he's talking about that baptized them. He said, John the Baptist, he said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You're talking about people that got baptized three years before this happened, okay? Three years before this happened. So they get baptized. Some of y'all were thinking, well, I was baptized 20 years ago as a kid, baby, whatever. They were just baptized three years before this. And then he, he said, hey, 
Y'all got baptized, just repentance from John's baptism. He said, this is about Jesus, and you identify with Jesus. You're baptized because of Jesus, what he did. They're like, oh, okay, we believe in Jesus. We know he died on the cross. We were there. And boom, they get baptized. So you think your grandpa baptizing you, that that's an excuse why you don't need to follow them and be scripturally baptized since you've been saved? Because a bunch of you, you got baptized just because a parent told you to do it or something like that. And then since then, you gave your life to Christ. And since then, you've been scripturally baptized. You think, oh, no, it's okay. These guys were baptized by John the Baptist. And they followed through and were scripturally baptized after that because their baptism was out of order. God's not going to rewrite his word for you. You need to follow through and do it right here, right now, today. And we're going to give you an opportunity in just a minute. You say, but Ronnie, I can't. Look. We're going to eat after this is over with. Now you guys all convinced to go to Waterburger, so we're going to go to Waterburger. So we can't do. Hey, guess what? We got T-shirts, shorts, towels, everything you need. Men, we got stuff you need. Ladies, I don't even know what y'all need, but we got a bunch of it. <laughs> it's all up in that area. Private dressing rooms, right up there. And here's the deal. You say, well. You really think we need to do it? Oh, not only do I know you need to do it, you need to obey God's word. Let me tell you what we had happen last service. We had a dude driving down the road watching this on, on, online on his phone, got convicted, came up in here, come down the aisle in the second. He said, I was trying to hurry up before you said amen, before you got to the end. He said, I came up here. He got saved in the military in the 90s. Been, been, his baptism, he's never been scripturally baptized since then. He said, I need to come, I need to do this, man. I, I was saved in the 90s, but dude, I, I've never been baptized. And I need to do this. About that time he turned around, he goes, uh, and we're standing right there. He goes, oh, this is my daughter. She goes, dad, I need to do this too. He and his daughter baptized right here. We had a dude that was in the first service, prayed, received Christ, and sat there the whole time watching people get baptized, didn't come forward, left, went home. Came back, second service, got baptized. He's getting baptized. He's in the trough, and I'm like, hey, dude, don't I know you? Weren't you in the first service? He goes, yeah, I was. <laughs> Gets baptized right here. So it's not too late. You need to take care of this today, right now, and walk out of here in peace. Now, here's the deal. It's not about getting wet. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And there are many of you here that don't know him. You can know him right now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray that prayer. It's not magical. We're not blessed with food. You are admitting that you sinned against God. You're repenting and turning from your sins and committing to follow him for the rest of your life. If you've never done that before, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it right now. Can you do me a favor? Can you give me two minutes? Nobody get up, nobody leave, just for two minutes. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Ronnie, I've never done this before. I want to do this. I want peace because I don't have it. Then you pray this prayer with me right now. And you invite him into your life. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or call you out. I don't believe in that. I just want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I understood what I was doing. I meant business. I just prayed that prayer, and I invited Jesus to come to my life. 
if you just prayed that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now? Let me catch your eyes. Say, Ron, that's me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Got you, buddy. You missed this section right here. Yes, ma'am. You missed this section here. Over here, this side. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. 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 Right here. Got you guys here. Here. Over here in this section right here. Got you, buddy. Anybody else? Okay, in the back. All right. With just those of you that prayed that prayer, keep looking up at me just for a second. I just want to share with you from God's Word. I want you to know this. All of you that prayed that prayer, God has come into your life. He's forgiven you of everything you've ever done. And the good news is, He says He'll never leave you. And not only that, He says when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You don't have to guess, hope, or think. It's a done deal because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. You say, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? You know you're supposed to identify the Christ. And the first step is, is let everybody know by following them and scripturally baptized. This is your wedding day spiritually. You say, how do I do that? Here's what we're going to do. In just a second, we're going to stand all over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, they're going to play this song. There's going to be pastors standing up here at the front. Matter of fact, pastors, would y'all go ahead and come on down? There'll be one there. There'll be one here. There'll be one over here. I'll come down as well. All of you that pray that prayer in just a second, when we stand, I pray when I say amen, as soon as I say amen, you step out of your seat, you come right down here. We're going to introduce you to a person called an encourager. They're going to take you right to the side. We're going to have men go this direction right here. We're going to have ladies go this direction right here. If you're a family, let us know. It's getting baptized together. And what we'll do is we'll baptize all of the families together up top together. And um, if you're an individual or whatever and you want to get baptized down here, you can get baptized here, whatever. But we just want to celebrate with you what God's done in your life. We're excited for you and proud of you, okay? And we got all the stuff, private tra- changing areas and all that kind of stuff and the clothes and all that for y'all, okay? So when we stand, I say amen, you step out and come. You can put your heads down. There's one more group of people I want to talk to. And that's those of you that you said, Ronnie, I'm saved, but I've never fought them been scripturally baptized. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Maybe you've been watching Pastor Brian in you got to say, but you hadn't had a chance to be baptized. Now's your day. Or you're here and you say, Ronnie, I'm like those people that got baptized by John the Baptist. My baptism is out of order. I need to be scripturally baptized. I've never been baptized since I've been saved. If that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you would like to pray for me to pray for either one of you to say, yeah, I need to do that. I need to follow through and be scripturally baptized. I've never done that. If that's you, would you look up at me right now? Let me catch your eyes. Say, Ronnie, I need to obey God today. Just look up and say, Ryan, that's me. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Over here, yes, sir. Over here on this side. Got you, buddy. All right, over here in this section right here. Say, Ryan, that's me. Got you, sweetie. Got you right here. Got you three right there. All right. Got you, buddy. Anybody else right here on this side? Yes, ma'am, on the far side. Yes, sir. Anybody else over here? Okay. All right, I'm going to pray for you just a second. Can you do me a favor? Can everybody look up at me real quick? Everybody? Jesus, the one who died on the cross for you and me, here's what he said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. 
He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who is in heaven. It's imperative we take a stand for him. When we give our life to Christ, we're to follow through and identify with him. So this is your first opportunity to do this. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. Whether you're baptized without order, whether you've never had a chance to scripturally be baptized, or whether you just prayed that prayer this morning and invited Christ to come to your life, you need to follow through and be scripturally baptized. So when I stand, when we all stand, I pray, I say amen. They're going to play that song. You step out and come. we got pastors here, right here. Could you go ahead and stand there, Pastor? Pastor here, and I'll be right down there, okay? Can you do me a favor? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. You can come together as a family, an individual, a friend that brought you can bring you. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those that trust your Lord and Savior and those that need to get baptized. Give them courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they play a song, you come on right now. Counselors, encouragers, come help us. You come on right now. Obey the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.